On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. Let the market decide what kinds of cars we drive, not mandates. Governmental actions have an impact on business expansion, including job creation. The Fed raised interest rates again this past week and likely not for the last time this year. And in our business profile, you'll hear from a business owner who works with other businesses on their social media and relationship needs. This is the Iowa Business Report for the final weekend of July 2023. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. The Job Creators Network is a nonpartisan organization founded by entrepreneurs who believe many government policies are getting in the way of the economic freedom that helped make this country prosperous. I spoke about current topics with Elaine Parker, Chief Communications Officer with the Job Creators Network. Right now, our small businesses, one of the other challenges that they're facing is a lack of access to credit in these community banks, so the banking system that has been really hurt by all of the cracks in the system, really, with losing three banks earlier this year, because the Fed has had to been so aggressive in increasing the interest rates. So you're talking about 10, 11 times in the last year that we've seen interest rates be increased. And again, big businesses have the ability to go other places for capital. Small companies, they just don't. Even with the supply of goods and services, they don't have the ability to have large contracts where they can lock in prices. So they're seeing their prices go up, whereas big businesses can absorb that and they've got longstanding contracts that keep their pricing from going up. It's such disproportionate effect on our small businesses with the way the economy is going. And what, what we've seen our small businesses tell us through our polling is that two-thirds of them are concerned about rising rates, threatening their access to credit, and actually preventing their ability to survive. And about 60% of them have paused hiring and wage increases. So they're not at a point where they're starting to cut jobs in any big way, but we are seeing that in the larger companies. And part of that's because of the labor supply has been so tight for so long. They're probably at a point where they're hoarding labor, if you will, but they're not giving raises and they're putting a pause on hiring at least over the next three months to see what happens. So when you look at that from the perspective of a small business owner's perspective, things don't look as rosy as what the president is trying to tell people. So to that point, you've got inflation. Our wages are not going up in concert with that. Each of us is losing ground, and it particularly then becomes a burden on those very business owners you just mentioned because they have a hard time getting and keeping good employees anyway because of a tight labor market. Those employees want to have the same, at least, earning power they did last year, but to give them raises makes it difficult for the business owner to stay afloat. I mean, it's it's a really difficult situation that is being glossed over by those who want to be reelected. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at the real provisions of Bidenomics, it's been that of reckless spending, anti-energy policy, and over-regulation that has led to this historic inflation that has continued to reduce Americans' real wages and living standards. This all started really on day one when the president came in 
and declared war on fossil fuels. He started with canceling the Keystone Pipeline, and it has been a continuous war on our fossil fuels ever since. And while our gas prices have moderated, they're still higher than they were before he came into office. And before he came into office, we were actually a net exporter of oil. And so we were pumping our own oil and supplying our own oil. We were energy independent when he came into office. And now we're energy dependent as a result of his policies, which has literally destabilized the entire world supply. We're having to go to countries that don't like us and ask them to sell us more oil, and it's inflating the cost. That is part of the problem is is where it all started and the increase in inflation and the cost of gas and the cost of groceries. And it's just, it's a compound effect. We need to start drilling. It's interesting because I've heard the president say many times when he came into office, the economy was reeling. Actually, the economy was beginning one of the fastest economic recoveries in American history. And we saw the economy grow by 11% in President Trump's last six months in office because we were beginning to reopen society and the economy and we were coming out of the pandemic. And because of the Biden's policies and beginning with that war on oil, we saw the retraction. So the economy was not reeling when he came into office. As a matter of fact, inflation was about 1.4%. For him to claim that under his administration, he came into inflation, it's, it's simply not true. And he claims that he shrunk the deficit. Actually, the debt has increased by about $3.7 trillion during his time as president. And the only reason why we've seen the deficit go down is because we've ended the massive COVID spending. And he keeps taking credit for reducing the deficit. And he keeps getting called out, even by the Washington Post, for it. So when you do surveys of members, when you talk to these job creators across the country, what's the prescription for what they need in order to excel and therefore bring everybody up to a higher level? Well, for starters, they just want the government to do less, not more. Mm -hmm. Get out of their way. Stop with the regulatory overreach. Stop with the reckless spending. Increase domestic drilling so that we can get the cost of energy down. That's just the beginning, and those are the things that they want. Let the market decide what kinds of cars we drive, not mandates. And these student loan bailouts that the president continues to try to work around now, the Supreme Court's decision, it's just more reckless spending. We ask that question of our small business owners. Do you think that taxpayers should bail out uh, the student loan crisis? And 70% of them consistently across the board, whether they're Democrats, independents, or Republicans, say no, taxpayers should not be on the hook for that. Remind us again about Job Creators Network, who you are and who's a member and what you do, please. So we're a national small business advocacy organization, and we focus on advocating for lower taxes, less regulations, pro-growth policies, and just overall economic freedom. And we fight back really hard on government overreach. We were actually one of two cases that went to the Supreme Court on the student loan bailout that we're very glad to see that the Supreme Court struck down three weeks ago. Your website, jobcreatorsnetwork.com, includes some facts on small business, and I'm just going to recite one of them because it makes the point of how important this segment of the economy is. 30 million small business owners in the country employing 59 million people. 
So some 90 million Americans depend on what we call small business. So important. Ms. Parker, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it, and we'll talk again soon, please. Thanks, Jeff. Elaine Parker, Chief Communications Officer with the Job Creators Network. We connected by phone on Friday, July 21. For more, go online to jobcreatorsnetwork.com. Still to come, another quarter point. And later, making connections with customers. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Hello, Iowa. This is Michael Swanger, owner of Iowa History Journal. Our new July-August issue features stories about the mother of 4-H, Jesse Field Shambaugh, Riverview Amusement Park, Nobel Peace Prize winner John Mott, and the Sioux City Railroad Museum. I encourage Iowans to learn about our great state's history by picking up the new issue of Iowa History Journal at Barnes & Noble, Hy-Vee, Walmart, Books A Million, Mills Fleet Farm, and iowahistoryjournal.com. Thanks for your support of our small, family-owned business. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. The Federal Reserve Board raised interest rates by another 25 basis points this past week, with more increases forecast yet this year. Financial journalist Jordan Goodman comments on the move. As expected, they raised rates by a quarter point. That's the 11th increase they've had in the Fed funds rate, which is what they control in the last year and a half or so. Interest rates now stand at the highest they've been in 22 years. If you look at a chart, it's a straight-up chart because they're trying to get inflation under control. Then after they made that move, Fed Chairman Powell had his press conference, and he did not at all rule out further rate increases. There were about 40 questions asking the same thing. Are you going to raise rates again? And he said it's data dependent. So the next meeting is in September, and we'll have to see what happens. I think they could raise rates again. I mean, inflation is definitely coming down. CPI, the Consumer Price Index, was at 3% versus 9% last June. So that's certainly a lot of progress. They want a 2%. The number that they look at the most, Jeff, is what's called the core CPE, and that's the Consumer Price Expenditures one. That it takes out volatile food and energy, and that's still about 4.2%. So it's still higher than they would like. So I, I think the Fed could raise rates a 12th time come September, even though the markets are hoping that the, what they just did this week is the last one. Coming up, businesses helping businesses help businesses. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Aloha. It's a touch of the island in Iowa. Hi, it's Andy Peterson. Join the voice of the Hawkeyes, Gary Dolphin, and I as we host the annual Tate and Dottie Cummins Memorial Pineapple Gala to benefit Camp Courageous. It's Friday, August 18th at 6 p.m. at the Doubletree Convention Center in downtown Cedar Rapids. You are invited to enjoy a Hawaiian dinner, live and silent auction, and more. To view auction items or for tickets, please visit campcourageous.org. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Peer Groups, hosting informational meetings in Des Moines on Wednesday, August 2nd, and in Cedar Rapids on Wednesday, August 30th. To register or to get more information, go to AdvanceIowa.com. In our business profile, we'll introduce you to Amy Dillard of Dillard Management, LLC, based in Council Bluffs. 
a company that helps businesses with their social media presence and with customer connection generally, and who herself benefited from a business mentor along the way. I am a solo entrepreneur. My business is called Dillard Management, LLC. I originally started with social media content and marketing for small businesses. I've expanded to also training commission sales teams for social media content, as well as website development, search engine optimization, Google profile creation and verification, just anything that helps businesses get found online. That's what I'm here for. So how did you get interested in that specialty and what path did you take to get to starting your own business? Well, I've always wanted to have my own business. Like they say, entrepreneurial spirit, right? Every entrepreneur has one. My parents have owned different businesses through the years, but my path kind of took me to higher education. I really believed in higher ed and I wanted to make higher ed accessible to other people. As I was going through grad school and continuing after grad school, some of my education, just the media aspect of things really caught my attention in technology. So after I left Iowa Western, which was a community college over here, I decided to just kind of take the reins and do a lot of self-learning, got an opportunity with a business that was able to give me a chance and things kind of rolled from there. Because of the fact that you're doing social media marketing and training of individuals for this, you have the ability to either work remotely or deal with clients who are some distance away. So what kind of a trade area do you have? Because in essence, you can start with businesses, I suppose, near you, but it's really unlimited, I assume. Yeah, it really is. Thanks for mentioning that. It's great to work with people and be able to go to small businesses locally and help out my local economy. But I'm accessible to anyone, really. If anyone would be interested in a free consultation for strategy, I'm available. I do that online. I also do social media audits through Zoom, which can be pretty helpful. Originally, as far as with commission sales trainings for the training, I do that for car dealerships. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there, I guess you could say. A lot of people utilize their social media profiles in that way, but there's other things that you can do. One of the things that I work with people with specifically is the authenticity, which kind of goes through the know, like, and trust marketing phase and concept. The face of your business is your salespeople. So people want to know who they're going to be dealing with when they walk through the door. So adding those personal touches on your social media business page can be really helpful to get people to take that next step in getting them into your door and off of social media. Especially, and you mentioned auto dealers, my family owned a car dealership, so I'm well familiar that people want the vehicle, but they often don't like the stereotype of the sales process. And so anything you can do to make it more welcoming through platforms that that people feel comfortable with. I mean, that's got to be a benefit. It's something that people really dread, right? So they want to know that they're going to be working with someone that they might have a good time with that will make the process easy for them and is on their side. What is it about this form of communication that we have generally called social media? What is it about that that has evolved into a specialty to where The average business says, you know, we really need to not just rely on someone adding it to their duties. We need to really work with someone who is in this realm all the time. That's a great question because you can do it. And I've seen a lot of people be successful doing their own social media. 
However, I think it comes down to actually just time too. So if you're doing your business and you're developing it and you have people helping you, there's a lot of things that you just don't think about when it comes to social media and how you can develop relationships with people on social media um, that can that eventually turn into customers. You, I trust, had some help along the way as you decided to take the leap, start your own business. And obviously, this was something that you had planned because you don't just go get an LLC unless it's part of a broader business plan. So this this was not just a lark. Talk about some of the resources you were able to rely upon that at the same time you're helping businesses with their social media, you were getting advice from others to help you with the four corners of your basic business. That's right. When you're just starting out, especially because I'm a solo entrepreneur, I like to strategize with other people and collaborate. So I love doing that with clients. But when you're talking about just being by yourself in your own business, you know, you need somebody that's going to help you talk through some things and coach you. So I was reaching out to different people on LinkedIn, actually, was just trying to make business connections. And one guy, he works, he's a business development manager for American Express. And he agreed just to meet with me on a Google Meet. And I was like, great, let's just talk. And he asked me a lot about my business. And he's actually was a SCORE mentor. And SCORE is free mentoring for businesses. Anybody can apply for it. It's free. And he was telling me that he mentors some people. And he encouraged me to, since he lived in Omaha, to look on the website and apply for a mentor in Iowa. And there's like 88 mentors, I think, that you can apply and they match you up with, you know, depending on what your business is, what your needs are, what you're struggling with, they'll find the right mentor for you. And they'll hook you up. You guys can meet in person or online. My mentor is actually in Des Moines. His name is Tony. And he's introduced me to a lot of even different mentors that have helped us with the direction of my business. Now then, obviously, if you're going to be a mentor and you're going to do it right, it uh, takes some work. It takes some time. While you're still doing your own business, it must obviously mean something for these individuals to share the knowledge because it's not just a quick phone call. I mean, they're committing to an ongoing collaboration. Yeah, and it's a relationship, really. I meet with my mentor once a month, and we've been meeting for almost a year. So it's a large commitment on their time. The two people that I connect with, with SCORE, are people that have years of business experience and now are more on the like in the end of their career and they have more time. So they're very accessible to me. I can send them an email and they'll get right back to me. I can give them a call. Um, hey, can you look over this, you know, sales tool that I created and give me some advice? So in between meetings, I'm still able to talk to them and they're very helpful. What has been the biggest surprise to you, and that can be good or bad, the biggest surprise to you of running a business with your name on it? As you said, the family had an entrepreneurial spirit, but I just wonder, once you're in it and it's your name on the dotted line, what are some things that may have surprised you in the process? I guess I think it has to do with sales. And like we said, I've worked with auto dealerships before, and that's more of a transactional experience. And the things that I do is very relationship building. It's just getting to know people and getting to know their needs and kind of where you might be able to fit in. I guess I'd say I've realized that I've been able to like more personalize my services towards people because 
different people are in different places and they need different things. So it's just not like a one package deal. You know, you have to get to know your clients and kind of pick and choose what would be the best thing for them. That's really interesting because if you say to a potential client, well, how can I help you? They may not have much of an idea because if they did know, they wouldn't be calling you for the help. And so they you have to already, yeah, they would be already <laughs> trying to do it, right? Yeah. So you have to really determine what they need that they don't even know they need because you're the expert in that niche. Yeah, it's kind of, it's like identifying the gaps. All right. So five years from now, what challenges do you think your business will have? Because again, social media is an evolving beast, as it were. And what opportunities are you looking forward to over the next few years? Something that I enjoy, but it's also a challenge is that it's always changing, right? Social media is always evolving. There's different features and different methods of communication that they're always trying to develop and push out to see what works and what doesn't. So as a professional, you have to stay up to date, right? And you have to know what's going on and what works and what doesn't. So I'm looking to see kind of where the virtual reality kind of fits into this where our metaverse is, how that's going to change the future of digital communication. I think that's a huge thing that we have to be looking for. Amy Dillard of Dillard Management LLC. More online at dillardllc.com. We connected via Zoom on Wednesday, July 26. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. That's where you'll find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa providing business solutions and support to small to medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.